Hello, Money on the Left and Superstructure listeners. This is Andres Bernal. I'm here to present this teaser for Scott Ferguson's lecture on the politics and aesthetics of Steven Spielberg's Jaws. It's part of Scott's ongoing lecture series on the neoliberal blockbuster. This and other lectures are available in full for subscribers to the Money on the Left Superstructure Patreon. If you'd like to support our collective work, please consider donating. But remember, this is not a hard paywall, and if you are not in a position to support our project, just contact us on Twitter, and we can secure you a membership free of charge. Now sit back and enjoy. Whereas beauty, Kant submits, is typically experienced by taking pleasure in sensuous arrangements and proportions in a materially present event or object, the sublime, for Kant, amounts to a kind of pleasure in pain or a mix of pain and pleasure that results when one comes up against something either too immense or too alien or too other to immediately take in or holistically comprehend. A similar, though more contemporary sense of the sublime pulsates at the heart of Spielberg's hyper-Newtonian cinema. As both an aesthetic and social logic, the Spielbergian sublime creates an impression of a fallen and austere everyday world, which it then infuses with a creeping and intensifying sense that some bigger, richer, more overwhelming reality is not only possible, but always just on the horizon. Specifically, Spielberg creates this sublimity not by cutting immediately to overwhelming action sequences and astounding special effects. Instead, Spielberg labors to create a deep sense of anticipation, cultivating a sense of potential for some kind of sublime disruption, rather than rushing directly to laying everything bare. Although Lucas will dabble in sublimity as well, Spielberg is by far the most methodical, self-conscious, and meticulous artisans of the hyper-Newtonian sublime. Above all, Spielberg is interested in shaping the tension and the promise of a sublime intervention, rather than cutting right to the intervention in and for itself. This is not to say that Spielberg's films don't care about or don't feel the rush of the disruptive, climactic, and spectacular encounter. Far from it. It's rather to say that Spielberg's show-it-all effects-driven sequences are nearly always carefully built up to and colored by a much more systemic aesthetics of tension and anticipation that creates the sense of the sublime. This tension often involves some combination of both wonder and horror, fascination and foreboding, a combination of pleasure and pain that Kant would certainly recognize as both disruptive and supposedly generous. Sometimes the Spielberg sublime turns out to be predominantly terrifying and evil, like in Jaws. Other times, the Spielberg sublime is overarchingly wonderful and good, 
like in E.T., the extraterrestrial. Still other times, the Spielberg Sublime ends up containing negative and positive dimensions in equal proportion, such as the mysteriously powerful Ark of the Covenant in the Indiana Jones franchise. But to truly understand the appeal of the Spielbergian Sublime, one has to appreciate that it almost always contains both good and bad, the pleasurable and the painful, rendering the horrifying seemingly marvelous and the marvelous at least minimally horrifying. As I hope to suggest, this logic structures Spielberg's hypernewtonian aesthetics in a profoundly neoliberal way. It naturalizes collective pain and suffering as the result of direct material relations while holding out the hypernewtonian blockbuster as a rich and overwhelming and indeed sublime experience that immerses spectators in something that is so much bigger and more powerful than themselves. Spielberg's hypernewtonian aesthetics, it should be said, are irreducible to one simple trick or technique. Remember, as I stated in earlier lectures, nothing about the blockbuster is simple, stupid, or mere entertainment. Spielberg's blockbusters involve intricate combinations of all of the elements of filmmaking, narrative, mise-en-scene, cinematography, editing, and sound. Together, these elements conspire to create an immense, immersive, material, and sublime cinematic experience like no other. While inspired by old action-adventure serials, classical Hollywood spectacles, and the post-continuity aesthetics of the Hollywood Renaissance, Spielberg's hyper-Newtonian aesthetics would forge fresh syntheses between these older forms to create a new cinematic language. Let me briefly enumerate some of the key elements that make up Spielberg's new language recognizing that while some are already dominant features in Jaws, others appear there only in embryonic form and will later emerge in much more full-blown and conspicuous ways. First, there is the intensely embodied and immersive cinematography. While not directly, Spielberg's cinematographic style arose in opposing the hovering or floating omniscience that was associated with the weightless and magisterial boom and tracking shots of classical Hollywood cinema and its cinematography. The camera in classical Hollywood cinema primarily functioned as an extra diegetic element, an element outside the story that shaped spectatorial experience from beyond the narrative world. It, in other words, occupied an implicitly abstract, non or ambiguously located space from which it narrated an overall abstract construction of space and time. Mid-century documentaries, European art film, and the Hollywood Renaissance challenged this abstract hovering cinematography by making the camera's physical presence increasingly conspicuous within scenes. 
However, Spielberg would go further in immersing the camera within the story world. He would not shy away from using gliding tracking shots and other classical Hollywood forms, but he would also go out of his way to render the camera as what I would like to describe as a quasi-diegetic presence or even participant within the scenes. In Jaws and later Spielberg films, the quasi-diegetic camera is of course never directly acknowledged by on-screen characters. For this reason, we could say Spielberg's quasi-diegetic camera occupies an ambiguous middle position between diegetic and non-diegetic registers, as it eschews reflexive diegetic acknowledgement within the story world while rendering the camera's viewpoint as physically and persistently there among many dynamic material elements. Frederick Wasser, who wrote the chapter about Jaws I asked you to read for this week, links this characteristic feature of Spielberg's cinematography to Spielberg's overall, what he calls, you are there aesthetic. That's his term, you are there. It's a perfect encapsulation of the blockbuster's preoccupation with thisness, with hechiity. Shallow words, 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 